<clears throat> what's going on ladies and gentlemen and welcome this is episode number 50 uh of rizzo cast i'm steven risotto and today we are joined by none other than the president and general manager of the frisco rough riders the double a team of the texas rangers he's the owner and founder also of big fly gear and he's a former mlb play-by-play broadcaster he broadcasted for a number of different teams most recently, the Angels from 2010 to 2021. Nice to see you, Victor. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to have you with us. Uh, so how did the whole deal with the Frisco Rough Riders come up, and, and how are you kind of settling into your new gig? It's crazy to think that it's been uh, – I've been on the job now for about two months, uh, but it all kind of came about last uh, – really November. Uh, previous GM had – departed to take a chief marketing officer position uh, locally somewhere in a different company. And uh, Chuck Greenberg and I, who owns the team, uh, he and I have been friendly for the last couple of years. And he kind of shot me a text saying, hey, man, uh, don't know what we're going to do with this, but uh, just wanted you to know that we have an opening in Frisco. And I had I had contemplated uh, making a move from a personal standpoint. We, we've moved back to the Texas area about six and a half years ago. And and my kids are growing up. My daughter's a senior now and, and my son's a sophomore. And I wanted to start thinking about doing more things that were close to home and not travel as much. And uh, truth be told, had had uh, COVID not hit, we would have had a normal season last year, regular full slate of games and attendance and everything. I probably would have re- resigned or retired after last year. But um, I figured I had one more year left on my deal. I'll, I'll do 21 and then... Uh, right off into the sunset and go do something else, concentrate on the business or otherwise. But, you know, this all came out of the blue and through a lot of long discussions through the month of December with Chuck, uh, we kind of came to an agreement that this is something that I wanted to do. And he wanted me to be a part of it. And uh, we struck a deal basically right around new year's Eve thereabouts and then was announced soon thereafter. So it's been fun. It's been hectic. I've been drinking out of a fire hose. I mean, uh, a lot of things to kind of ramp up from, a staff that was really about eight or nine after furloughs and the like uh, to all of a sudden now we're, we're over 20. So I've been really busy, you know, hiring folks and, and kind of getting the game plan in place. So when we start throwing our first opening day pitch on May 4th, we're all, uh, we're back to sort of normal, if you will. And uh, welcome fans in here and kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. You, <laughs> you walked into a weird circumstance. I wouldn't, you know, it's, I would go a little bit short of saying you walked into a mess, but I mean, it's, it's hectic in the minor league level. Um, so you mentioned the, the first week of May, is that still the plan? Is there any objections that could possibly go in that way? Stand in the way of a May 4th opener? Well, as we know, a year ago, you know, a year ago in three days, uh, I don't think anybody anticipated that the pandemic was going to you know take over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, as of right now, May 4th is the, uh, the the date that we've got circled on the calendar as far as our opening day. And anything can happen between now and then. But that's what uh, what we're working towards. And you may I mean, you're right. We, I did walk into a hornet's nest, if you will, just from the standpoint of and this is and, and to Chuck's credit, this is kind of how he described it. He says, you know, 21, we're just trying to get through 21 so that we hit the ground running for 22. So it's it, 21 is essentially a wash. Whatever we get out of it, we get out of it. It's great. It's icing on the cake. Uh, and, and he told me early discussions, you know, I don't, I don't need to hire someone right now. I can, I can make do. I, I just, I took a big chunk of salary off 
with this uh, GM leaving. And so it's nice to kind of be able to keep that and not have to spend it on an individual when I don't have to, this, these are his words. And, um, but I think the more he, more he started thinking about it and he got a good feel about me and what I would bring to the table and, and my, my strong desire to be home. And this is 30 minutes from my house. That uh, is when he said, you know what, if we're ever going to do something like this and kind of really stir the pot, make a splash uh, and kind of push our chips into the middle of the table, this would be it. And you'd be the perfect guy to do it. And that's been the mindset. And we've been able to ramp up again from a, from a, like I said, from a staffing perspective, still got a couple more hires. And um, then we start on our seasonal and internships and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's been fun and good atmosphere here. It's great to see the lights on, you know, the winter time in the minor leagues is tough, right? Especially when you go through like the freeze that we had a couple of weeks ago, yeah. it's like, the doldrums of you can't wait for the grass to turn green. And, you know, the, the lights are always off, it seems like, but now there's some life in in this building and it's, and it's good to see. Yeah. Out here in California, um, it's, it's pretty much every day is the same day in terms of weather. Uh, I mean, 45 is cold here. So, and and 65 is warm in the Bay area. So uh, it's pretty crazy. So is the stadium going to be full? I know that's a question that everybody's going to kind of wonder here because, being in Texas, Texas recently lifted pretty much everything. So what's the capacity like for the stadium? Well, we still, because of the, you know, the new uh, player development league uh, under the guidance of Major League Baseball, we fall under, you know, their guidelines. And Major League mm-hmm. Baseball has put out some guidelines as far as social distancing and pod seating through the month of May. So right now, uh, even though our state allows for you know, no masks or no, no worries on capacity and, and social distancing, you know, we're still working under the auspices of major league baseball and kind of adhere to their, to their guidelines right now. So we are roughly at about 40% capacity uh, based on our pod seating and the way we've done things. Uh, that's how we're opening things up. At least that's the plan for us. But like I said, this situation is fluid. I've, I've put together three seating manifests in the last week and submitted to major league baseball. And, and, and all of it is because the situation remains so fluid. We didn't know the governor was going to, you know, say what he said a little over a week and a half ago. And we didn't know the Rangers were going to make the stand that they did a couple of days ago, which is you know just down the road. There are affiliate We're 10 year agreement with them to be their double a affiliate. So that all kind of factors into it. And I think uh, major league baseball is kind of looking into it. We're starting to see the state of Washington uh, has come out with some guidelines. State of California is allowing some fans. Minnesota this morning is allowed some fans. I saw something last night from Pennsylvania. Um, so because of that and because of the circumstances being different in every location from municipality to municipality, I think Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball have to be flexible and, and allow us to do things in a in a cognizant manner, being, being aware of the situation that we are coming out of uh, and are still technically in. And, and uh, who knows what that, that end looks like for this pandemic. But I think if, if we do things right, we can ramp up very quickly. And our anticipation, even before Governor Abbott opened things up here or the Rangers made their decision was, all right, if it's 40% or 35%, we open up there. And then it's a gradual ramp up through the summer where we get to 75 and maybe by the time September rolls around, we're at hundred percent capacity. Um, that timeline maybe shifts a little bit uh, with everything that has happened. But again, it's all, you got to keep your head on a swivel. You have to be an offensive lineman and <laughs> all of a sudden in this business to kind of, to make sure you've got all the angles covered. Yeah. It'd be great to see 
100% capacity by the end. That would be a pretty awesome transformation. So it's pretty common knowledge what the duties of a big league executive are. And they obviously have, you know, maybe they have higher authority than someone in your position, but what would be your exact role in duties as kind of a president and GM of a minor league team? Cause I know a lot of people don't know yeah. this. Yeah, no, and I'd push back probably that as far as a higher authority than me, I think, uh, you know, when you talk <laughs> about general manager and I only say that from a general manager standpoint, they've, they've got one thing to worry about. It's baseball. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, I've got an entire organization and a, and a facility to worry about. And, you know, currently on our field, we've got some high school kids and playing in a high school tournament that started yesterday. Last week, we had a college tournament here that had Arizona, Missouri, uh, Dallas Baptist and Oklahoma uh, for uh, for four games and eight games or four days or eight games. Um, so there's any number of things that go into that dealing with the city. There's some development that's being planned across the street from our ballpark on our parking lot. Um you know, dealing with the city manager as to what the development looks like with the city council meeting coming up on Tuesday. So, you know, I could go from one conversation sitting in my office about our seating manifest to talking to the city manager, to talking to a developer. Uh, so it's just any number of things to food and beverage. And all of a sudden a, a corporate partner walks in and they want to they want to look at the ballpark and talk about signage and inventory and assets that we have here. Uh, so it's all encompassing. And that's uh, that's what I like about it. I, you know, I, I love controlled chaos and, and that's just kind of what I thrive in. And, you know, to, to a certain extent, the, the mundane nature of, uh, of a baseball season and, you know, granted I've lived it for 53 years on this earth. I was born into baseball and I've, I've seen it at every level with my dad and myself and the college level and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I've gotten to that point where, you know, I, I'm good. I, I did 20 years in the broadcast booth, 18 in the big leagues. It's like, I'm good. I want to do something else. And that's why we started our family business two years ago. I'm just driven by different things. And it's not about the almighty dollar for me. Um, I could have, you know, I could have cashed checks on the first and the 15th for the next 10, 15 years sitting in the angels broadcast booth. And would have been great. Would it have been fulfilling? I don't know, maybe because I enjoyed my job. Don't get me wrong. I love where I was at it. That's the best view in baseball. I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, great fans. I was treated well. They loved me there. Artie, Artie was great to me as an owner, uh, John Carpino, the president. But there are things in life that we're all wound differently. And um, certain things motivate us that may not motivate other individuals. And so um, that's what I love about this position is that I get a chance to kind of do a little bit of everything. And 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 I look at my watch and all of a sudden it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, where did the day go? And now, now with the, you know, the end in sight with May 4th is like, no, 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 no. I need that day back. I, I need more days now, you know, in January, February, early February, you're still like, oh, we got time. We got time. Now it's like, no, no, I need those days back because we got so much to get going, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you have done everything. I mean, you mentioned growing up in a baseball family and playing ba uh, professional baseball, coaching in professional baseball, broadcasting front office. Was there any controlled chaos in the booth? <laughs> Cause I know you mentioned you like control chaos. Was there any of that in the booth besides maybe the travel? Cause I know maybe not on air, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Gooby, Gooby and I, you know, we became very close, uh, knew each other before I got the job and really got to know him a little bit better as, you know, 11 years together and constantly being together. Cause we, you know, on the road, we'd drive together to the ballpark, come back, uh, go out to dinner, have some drinks. And so we were always talking baseball. He, he really is like, 
you know, my fourth brother, I grew up with three boys, three brothers and, uh, and a total of four boys. And he, he's like one of us. I mean, there's so many similarities and he grew up in a similar family, four boys as well. Um, and his dad played minor league baseball. So a lot of, a lot of chaos, if you will, but more of a, from a fun, you know, ribbing nature. And, uh, that's the one thing that I'll miss. Uh, you know, I love, love working with him. It was a lot of fun. I think we did some good things and, you know, it's, it's a subjective business. So I, you know, I couldn't care less as far as, uh, uh, you know, what people think, uh, my, my abilities to do my job. I, I feel like I did it at the highest level in the second largest market for a long time. And for a period of time, I did it between Vin Scully and Dick Emberg, who was down in San Diego mm-hmm. and Los Angeles respectively. So, um, yeah, I kind of figured it out and, uh, had fun and now it's time to do something else, you know? Yeah. People, people probably think I'm crazy, but it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like I said, it's 18 years, 19 years, um, overall or 20 overall, it gets to a certain point where from a travel perspective, it's like, it's old. You know, I remember telling my dad when he was playing, I'm like, it's gotta be cool. You're going on a plane. You're going to, you're going to San Francisco or you're going here and that. And he's like, it's not as glamorous as you think. And I thought when I got the job in Arizona for the first time, that oh, this is awesome, you know, flying, you know, private planes and being on charters and all that like, and saying that the Ritz Carlton, it was cool. But dude, after a while, it's like the same old, same old, you're living out of a suitcase. And then when we moved back to Texas and I was renting in California, I was essentially for six months living out of a suitcase. You know, I was like 10 days on the road, come back, wash your stuff. You're there for 10 days, you're back on the road. And it's just, you know, after a while, it's like, it's just a turnoff. I love the game part of it. If I could stay home and call games all day, I would, I would have done that. <laughs> I, that that's a good part of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the remotely uh, broadcasting was definitely a, uh, uh, an interesting component this year. Um, so let's, let's go back to the minor leagues real quick. How do you go about marketing these players or do you like on, on your roster, considering <clears throat> the players you let's be honest, the players that you really want to market are the ones that are going to be getting out of there pretty soon. So how right. do you go about, you know, marketing some of the, the, the minor league players that go through Frisco? We really don't. The marketing plan isn't, you know, revolving around a particular player. Uh, I think you could do it uh, in a vacuum, if you will. So if you know you're going to get someone, you know, for us, uh, an example would be Josh Jung, who's a, a prospect in the Rangers organization, first round pick out of Texas Tech, third baseman. You know, maybe he'll be here. I don't, I don't know what the, what that's going to look like. Maybe start to AAA for all we know, but um, but that would be something you just take, you know, all right, whatever time we think he's going to be there and try to maximize the exposure and get people excited about seeing, you know, the Rangers third baseman of the future here now. Um, but for us, more about community. It's more about Americana and, and, and being a kind of a family atmosphere and, and watch some baseball, you have some beers, you could take a dip in the lazy river and right field. It's just a, you know, it's a, it's a perfect summertime excuse to get out of the house. And, uh, and oh, by the way, there happens to be a baseball game. Uh, and for us, we're fortunate um, it, it twofold because one, we're in a, we're in a major league market. I mean, there aren't too many teams at our level, a double A that are, that can say they're in a, in a major league market, like the Dallas Fort Worth uh, Metroplex. I mean, next door to us are the Dallas stars practice facility and their executive offices down the road is FC Dallas. The star is just on the other side of the toll road, which is the Cowboys practice facility. Um, so there's any number of, you know, big league teams. And the second one is our affiliate is right down the, the tollway. 
uh, you know, the Texas Rangers. It's not like we're affiliated with somebody else outside of the area and the Rangers play here. No, it's, if you see them here, they're more than likely going to end up there. And I think it kind of gives you that first glance at a, at a cost effective, you know, price point. And that's, I think that's, that's what our goal is from a marketing perspective is to pitch that um, not only to season seat holders or even single game ticket buyers, but also to our marketing partners. Yeah. So I did some research on the ballpark, uh, <clears throat> Dr. Pepper ballpark, which, I mean, if, if anybody ever asks where you work and that's your answer, Dr. Pepper ballpark, I mean, I've, that, that trumps anything that they could say that they do. For My answer is the ballpark in Frisco since Dr. Pepper is no longer the naming rights holder of it. Oh, it's and, not. Uh, no, they are the, uh, we have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the largest pouring rights deal in, in minor league baseball with Dr. Pepper. But so there's, they're still in the ballpark, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's no longer, it's, it's known as Dr. Pepper ballpark because of the naming rights situation and the length of that contract. But yeah, that, that contract uh, exited uh, about two, two weeks, two years ago two weeks ago that would have been great uh no about two years ago uh and so we've been for that so i just call i refer to it as the ballpark yeah there we go there we go but yeah I, I, too bad you didn't get to uh be in be in the ballpark when it was dr pepper because that's a pretty awesome yeah. name but no rewind lazy river is that right T- tell us yeah. about the lazy river what's going on yeah. there well it's a, uh, if you just go to our website at writersbaseball.com you'll see uh, pictures of it's a lazy river i mean uh it's a a deck and uh, you got a big old uh, lazy river out in right field basically goes from the, uh, the right field foul pole out towards right center field. Um, and it's a huge attraction got put in uh, several years ago. And um, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, the uniqueness of minor league baseball, right. You kind of, mm-hmm. you can kind of do what you want, if you will, within reason, uh, especially from a promotion standpoint, one of the things that was talked about was trying to modify and, and kind of, you know, the, with our summers here in Texas being as hot as they are, you know, what can we do as opposed to kind of like the Diamondbacks pool and right center yeah. field, um, make it unique to us. And uh, they came up with the concept of the lazy river and uh, it's packed, uh, you know, in, in years past, when you see some of the pictures, it's a, it's a great place to just uh, watch baseball and drink some beers and uh, catch a tan. Yeah. Do you have any plan? Cause I know it, you took the job and it's obviously still, <clears throat> The winter months, I guess. Do you have any plans of dipping, dipping in the the lake? I'll get in there. Some, yeah, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> uh, I might have to recreate if we win a championship. Uh, jumping in a lazy river after the game. My dad, uh, 1977, I think it was. He promised uh, that if if the Royals made the playoffs or won the division, that he and Freddie Patek would jump in the fountains in Kansas City. And and sure enough, they they did that. So maybe I'd have to recreate something like that if if we end up doing something this year. Yeah, that's that, that would be awesome. Uh, so there's an event at the ballpark coming up, the Lone Star Diamond Base, uh, the Lone Star Diamond Classic and the State Fair Diamond Classic. So tell us about what's coming up. Yeah, we, it's a first time event that's coming up this uh, last weekend of March. And it's, it's historically black colleges and universities an HBCU event. And uh, uh, we're looking forward to, to putting on this this event. Tory Hunter has been instrumental. Uh, he's from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And, Arkansas Pine Bluff is one of the teams that's going to be here. So he and the coach are very tight. And Tori owns a couple of uh, barbecue places called Tender Smokehouse uh, here in Frisco, as well as in Prosper, which is just up the road. And um, so he's been instrumental in trying to kind of build this, this first year event to see if we can grow it um, over the next several years. And then uh, with my relationship with Bob Kendrick, uh, the president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, uh, I was able to reach out to him and what, what I pitched to, 
um, Prentice Hill is the person who's in charge of putting this event together was, uh, you know, on Thursday night before the event starts on, on Friday, can, you know, can Bob do kind of a zoom for the players and coaches and Bob, I'm sure, you know, is, is probably one of the best storytellers I've ever come across, especially as it relates to baseball, especially in Negro league baseball. Um, I figured what a, what a perfect tie in to have these young men, uh, that maybe don't know the history of Negro league baseball and some of the stories of Satchel page and the like, um, for, for Bob to just talk a little bit about that. So we're, we're setting up a zoom, each team in their hotels, uh, in the conference rooms with, with Bob, just kind of just doing his thing, you know, and it's, I don't even think you need a moderator because he's that good. He's just, hi, I'm Bob Kendrick and, uh, I'm going to go and I'll talk to you in about an hour. Just give him the link. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, and then I've asked him also to, to, you know, do a little research on, um, you know, historical black college and universities back in the 1920s and 30s and baseball at that level, how it started, if there was any relations uh, with uh, with the Negro Leagues or even you know baseball in general. And so I think it's going to be an amazing night just to listen to him tell these stories. I think the kids will take something out of it. And the hope and idea is, unfortunately, we're still with the social distancing. You know, HBCUs, it's difficult from a from a you know, from a monetary standpoint to, to get kids to go there, number one, two, to, to expose them to these universities and the opportunities that these universities present them. So they use these events around the country to, to try to gain exposure from an admissions perspective, to kind of open the door to, to different markets to say, hey, we're here. And, uh, you know, if you've never heard of Arkansas Pine Bluff, you know, this is who we are and kind of opened up some ideas to, to maybe for, for some young kids that are at the high school level that are looking for that secondary education uh, and to further their education to, to look at, you know, non-traditional schools, if you will. And, um, you know, we're going to try to figure out a way where we can still incorporate that as opposed to just constantly being on the concourse, which in a normal year, that's what you would like and be able to have that interaction with, with admissions. Yeah, that's great. And as you mentioned, all you have to do is give Mr. Kendrick the link and he'll, 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 (laughs) he'll give you some great insight and it's awesome what he's done with the Negro leagues museum. They had zero furloughs throughout the entire thing. And they don't even have, it's like under 15, a little bit under 15 people working there full time. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, So real quick, you've worked for a few MLB kind of own networks, MLB network being one of them. I've always wondered about, you know, people hopping on the air and, you know, being critical about the league. And I, I remember watching the 10 year anniversary special and Ken Rosenthal said he was very hesitant to work at MLB network because of that reason. He's trying to do a job. He's trying to report thoroughly. And when the network is owned a little bit by the league, it could, you know, be, you know, you could be a little hesitant about that. So is that ever a, a problem lot, for you? A, owned a lot by the league. A lot <laughs> by the league. Yeah, yeah. So was yeah, that ever uh, anything that you uh, worried about at all? When I was on there? Yeah. No, I never worried about it. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I think people that know me realize that I'm, I'm pretty true to my word. I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm not a big believer in putting on a facade just to appease. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down on my own terms. And, and, and I think that's kind of how my dad brought me up. You know, it's like, why, why bite your tongue? If you really believe on in something, stand up for it, speak your mind. And um, you know, yeah, you maybe get some pushback on, on certain things, but for the most part, people will realize that you're serious. Number one. And number two, that, that uh, you know, you're someone to, to, to be reckoned with. And 
Um, I never, I, I'm trying to even think back because I was only there such a brief time, you know, 11, 12 months before I got hired by, by the angels. Um, I don't think there was really anything that came up that was controversial. Uh, you know, I didn't have to deal with the A-Rod situation when he had lied and had to do the Mia culpa stuff. Yeah. One of the, one of the couple times that he had to do the Mia culpa. Um, but yeah, nothing really that, that stood out, but, um, I, I think I think the lines have been blurred a little bit. I think from a from a journalistic standpoint, I know that's kind of your field. Um, you know, I think you have to you have to you have to take a stance. I, I think you have to be true to yourself. And if if you if you've got a story and you're working on it, and you know it shines a negative light on the league that maybe you know pays you a little ancillary salary on the side to to show up on then so be it. I mean, because otherwise you're going to get called out in today's world. You'll just get called out on it. You know, you're just a shill uh, mm-hmm. otherwise. And I think, I think you, I'd re- I would rather, this is just me personally. I would rather kind of be able to stand on my own two feet saying, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm calling it as it is. Um, and I think that's what angel fans appreciated about me. I wasn't, I wasn't going to sugarcoat things. I wasn't going to crush anybody like literally on the air, crush them, but they would know that, you know, it's not that hard to hustle to first base and it's not, you know, it's just little things that would irk any fan um, usually irk me. And I, and I usually said my piece and, um, but I, I thought I did it in a, in a fair manner. And I think that's why Artie and I had a, Mr. Moreno uh, had a pretty good relationship because I think I, I kind of spoke about things that he was thinking about and thought about quite often. And um, you know, with his frustration, I just voiced it and made sure that our fans knew it. And I, you know, I wanted to be true to them. Yeah, and um, speaking of MLB Network, uh, your former colleague was just hired as the uh, new Angels play-by-play announcer, Matt Vaskersian. Some thoughts on your your former teammate uh, taking over? Oh, good for him. I mean, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, they they got a couple of guys. Uh, Darren Sutton, I guess, is going to do some games as well. And they've added Jose Moda to the booth, uh, so it's going to be a three-man booth. So I guess the way I look at it is it it took three people to replace me as I, as I left. So I'm just kidding, <laughs> but you know, I mean, Matt Vasquez, Dan, Darren Sutton and Jose Moda, but uh, look, everyone's driven by, like I said earlier, everyone's driven by different things. And Matty's got, you know, MLB network and, and uh, the ESPN Sunday night thing. And he'll, he'll work in some games and see, it seems like maybe Darren's going to do more games. Cause I think Matty's going to be remote. Mm. Um, and for Darren, it's a return back to the angels. He had done radio back in the day, uh, for them, uh, before leaving to go, I think to Milwaukee and then on to Arizona, uh, was his career path. So, um, some familiarity there, some baseball guys and, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled for them. I really, honestly, I got golf on my TV right now. I haven't, I haven't looked and watched many baseball games. Uh, they've been on in the background. I just, I'm so busy doing what I'm doing. It's like, I'm happy. I had a great run. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back and I'm happy for everybody that, that you know, is doing what they want to do. And, and, you know, congratulations to Maddie and to, to Sut for, for getting those gigs. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if they ever replace Gooby, if Gooby followed you out the door, that would have been a six man booth. So just, yeah. just think of it that way. <laughs> In theory, right? Yeah. yeah if, you, if you start penciling that out, yeah, you're right. It'd be a six man booth. Exactly. So, Real quick before we head out, uh, you have a family brand called Big Fly Gear. Of course, that was your your signature call, Big Fly for Mike Trout. You know, so um, 
do you want to? Yeah, <laughs> I, I try. I try. So what got you interested in kind of the clothing industry? I know it's a family brand. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't necessarily the clothing side of things. I knew I wanted to do something business related. I just didn't know what it was. And it evolved into the clothing side and mm-hmm. um, started about <clears throat> brainstorming about four years ago, kind of got into a design side of things about three years ago or a little over three years ago. And um, kind of came up with the concept of creating a, a unique graphic um, based on a person, place, and or moment in baseball history revolving around the home run. So we've done tribute graphics for, for Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron, which is our 755. Um, the M&M Boys, this is the 60th anniversary of the 1961 home run chase. Uh, so we did the M&M Boys. That's out now. We've uh, done a Kirk Gibson 1988 home run off Dennis Eckersley. Um, that's our Hollywood ending graphic. So just just unique moments, really. It's just what comes up. We've uh, about a month ago we put out the uh, the back to back home runs by by Griffey's uh, by the Griffey's uh, against the Angels. As a matter of fact, uh, that's our like father, like son, and uh, just you know we don't we don't have a major league baseball license, so we don't use players' names or likenesses. We create art. We create unique looking pieces that tell the story. I mean, I'm a storyteller. I was a storyteller as a broadcaster. I'm still a storyteller. And we want our shirts to appeal to you from a visual standpoint, or you have a connection. Our, our Hebrew hammer has been a very popular shirt since we launched it last year. It's our tribute to Hank Greenberg, the hall of famer. And um, you know, you're drawn to the graphic because you know the meaning behind it and someone asks you about it. Now you're able to share that story of a little bit of baseball history. So that's kind of the idea behind it. We've been online for a little over two years and had a great run. We, we run it from our house. We, every, we do everything. We order it. We, uh, we print it, uh, pack it and send it off. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun doing it. It's been hectic, but it's a lot of fun. Hey, it's, uh, it's, that's what you like, right? You like yeah. the hectic mayhem. Exactly. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. It, it, you know what? If, if you really want to make Giants fans mad and there's a lot of them that are listening that, that listen to my podcast and that I know uh, you should make a spot, uh, Scott Spezio uh, shirt. So there, yeah, there right. I, I think, uh, uh, would, would it, would it be a Scott Spezio one or would it be a Reggie Sanders unable to get over the wall to make that catch? Which, which would it be? Maybe it's a Russ Ortiz. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or Dusty Baker just telling Russ Ortiz to keep the baseball. It could yeah. be so many different could, options. <laughs> there's, there's, that's such an interesting rivalry that nobody ever thinks of. But yeah. th- it's interesting that if you ask a Giants fan, and I was, I was born in April of 2002, so I, I was irrelevant in, at this point. But if you ask a Giants fan, does that still hurt even after the three championships? They will tell you it does, and they were yeah. they would. So it's crazy that the the three championships didn't really do any soothing in terms of some of the longtime fans. Yeah. Victor, cool I thing appreciate- about that. Oh, two, oh, two, real, real yeah. quick. I was working at MLB.com at the time, so mm-hmm. before it became this big bam behemoth that it is today. So there was MLB Radio, and then for the playoffs, what we would do is shoot video highlight clips and piece it all together and kind of post it on the internet. I don't know if you remember real time players, but it's these little files, right? Uh, but I did I did the World Series part of it for MLB.com. And I remember shooting our quote unquote stand up in the lobby of MLB.com uh, right by the elevator. And it's it's I couldn't believe how that game unfolded. Those those couple of games unfolded it was just amazing. So, yeah, that was the furthest ball I've ever seen hit this is one of the greatest baseball rip lead uh, lip reads of all time. Yeah. So shout out yeah. Joe Buck for that one. Tim Salmon, of course. Victor, I appreciate you joining the show, um, taking the time. I know you're 
as you mentioned, you're, you're very, very busy. So I appreciate that. No, my pleasure, buddy. So you guys could follow Victor on Twitter at Victor Rojas. Is it Victor J Rojas? I should have this up. No, just Victor Rojas. Victor Rojas. I don't know where I got the J from. Victor Rojas on Twitter. You could follow me on Twitter at Steven Risotto, S-T-E-V-N-R-S-S-O-T-T-O. And the podcast on Twitter at RizzoCast, also on Instagram as well. And you could subscribe to this uh, podcast on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you guys for listening and have a great day.